0: Our reading this morning will be out of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith though he is dead he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he, comes, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah... "...being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going." By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, just for these examples of people of faith, and that is what we desire. We are here to... Hear your teaching on it to build in us, Lord, uh, for we do admit that we are somewhere on the spectrum, as Steve said. Lord, we're either of little faith or great faith, and we want to keep moving forward. We ask you, today would be part of that, prepare our hearts, our minds, as Steve preaches, and, and uh, help us to grow. We want to be more and more like your son, and we, uh, we desire to do that, and uh, just ask for your work in our lives we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Good morning. Glad to see you all here at Hope Bible Church this morning, this Lord's Day. I was reading a verse in in um, Psalm 100, verse 1. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So what's the common theme there? What's it say? Gladness and joy, right? Last phrase, come before him with joyful songs. I will say this. I've never told this to Steve but, uh, and the musicians, but I, I believe we have joyful songs here. I, I'm not one into minor key songs. I know they have their place. I like joyful songs. And even if you've noticed, it's the songs that Steve writes are joyful. And it says that. We're told. We're commanded. Come before him with joyful songs. We sang that song, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And then one of the lines says, joy is for those who trust and obey. Indeed, that's what he wants. He wants all of our hearts to be ones that are filled with joy. Indeed, what we're talking about today relates to having that joy. We're taking three weeks to talk about the importance of faith. If you weren't here last Sunday, you can get the go online. I would encourage you to get it because it's all very important, this subject for each one of our lives here. Faith means we're spiritually connected to God. We're plugged into Jesus Christ. It means we are trusting him. Faith is a means by which we can have a relationship with Christ. It's the means, then, by which we can live the Christian life and then do the things that God wants us to do. Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith operating through love. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. You see the strength of those verses. Impossible to please God without faith. The only thing that counts is, is faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that very familiar verse, walk by faith and not by sight. That means we're to live our life by faith. And so faith means we're to be believing God. We're to be trusting him. We're to be depending on him and not depending on ourselves. A verse I mentioned last week, Proverbs 28, 25, and 6, it says, He who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Great promise. You trust, you'll prosper. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. See the contrast What strong language God gives. Indeed, he wants us to see this. Last week, we saw that one of Jesus' main objectives with the disciples was faith, and it's just astounding when you read through particularly well, all the Gospels. There are so many stories in faith. We looked at a a number last week. We'll look at some more this week. We'll look at some more next week, And, and hopefully you're impressed. Wow, all these stories on faith, not just one or two. Every word is important, but, man, you have 15, 20, I don't know how many. And so a lot of stories on faith. And, of course, what we understand is he was teaching his disciples the importance of faith. And so if you're a disciple of Christ, and as a believer in Christ you are, what do you think he's teaching you? The same thing. The same thing. This last week he was teaching to have faith. You may not have even realized that. You need to be cognizant of this truth. He's teaching you to have faith every day of the week and tomorrow and this whole next week. This is your life. This is a major aspect. You're his disciple. He's teaching you to have faith. As I said last week, this subject is about you and God, you and Christ. That's what it is. That's it's, it's about you and the Lord. Let's go to our first story, Luke chapter five, verse seventeen. Five seventeen. I'm going to read most of these stories. Some I will skip because they're a little longer. But Luke five seventeen, our first one here. Luke 5.70, one day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers all sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus See in their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Several things to learn. First of all, these men were desperate for Jesus to heal their friend. They couldn't get through the front door. It was too crowded. It says, Well, let's do something else here. And we understand. They had to get up on the roof. And sometimes there might have been little steps up there. But they went up on the roof. And they... Tore a hole. I don't, know what, I don't know the construction. I just know that they had to do some work. We're talking a little ingenuity, a little planning, a little teamwork, you know, and can you imagine you're inside, there's Jesus and all these people around listening, and, and you see the dust starting to fly down. And so they were desperate. They really believed in Jesus. They really had faith that Jesus could heal their friend. And, and, and the one point I just want to say here, this illustrates is the importance of having faith in God for others. That's what we're saying. Very important then of you then being one who is praying to God for others. That's that's, the, that's one of the main lessons I get. This I mean I, I I can't help but this think this person had faith, but these men it says had faith. He saw their faith. It's it's plural. That's what's going on here, and so this is important. I think of that verse, Ephesians six. You know this verses I believe it's the spiritual warfare section, best one in the Bible. Ten through seventeen, and then it says, with this in view, and what is in view, the spiritual battles in view, with this in view, be on the alert and be always praying for all the saints. That's what it says. Very clear. You go through the day, every one of you have gaps in your thinking during the day. What I mean by that, not so much gaps, is is your mind's not actively engaged. You could be driving along or walking along or at home, you know, and and when your mind is not actively engaged, I encourage you take the time then to pray for others, pray for others, and you have a lot more time every day than you think. Pray for others, family members, friends, people in the church, or people around the world. In fact, it says in it says it says in First Peter five: resist the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that. The same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren all over the world. So pray for others around the world. You may not even know people. Just pray for the believers in France or the believers in Ethiopia, the believers in Colombia, South America. Just pray. So the importance of having faith in God for others. What we also see is the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to perform a healing. When we talk about faith, we are talking about our inability and about Christ's ability, his power, his strength to help us, to lead us, whatever it might be. Turn to 2 Corinthians. I've, I've read these verses before, but they are, I believe, some of the best on his power and our weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And this is a a huge trial he's going through. It was a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what. Some people think it was physical. Some people think it was just actual persecution. He pleaded three times. Verse 9, he has said to me, God has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power, my power is perfected in weakness. My power, God's power perfected in our weakness. I always remember that. God lets you be weak. Most gladly, therefore, and this is what's amazing. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses. I'm not too good at that. I'll be honest. Not very good. I don't know how you do there. But it says, I will boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell on me. Therefore, I am well content. I just get along well content with weakness, insults, distresses, persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. And the point I'm making here is that faith relates to all of this right here. All these things. If you're weak, sick, persecuted, whatever, God will help you. Trust in him. Fourth point there is is Jesus has power to physically heal people. We see two healings here. He healed this man of his paralysis. That was a physical healing. And he then healed this man spiritually. He forgave his sins. Two things. Next, Jesus could see their faith. He could see it. This shows that he was God. He was omniscient. Of course, we can't see in the hearts of people. Sometimes we think we know what people are thinking. We don't know what people are really thinking. We really don't know. He could see. And you think about that today. You know what that means? God can see into every one of your hearts. He sees instantaneously how you're thinking right now. He knows your whole life, where you progressed from when you became a Christian to this point in time, and he knows where you're going. That's God. As we said, he's got you on this trail. He wants to increase your faith. As Bruce said, to go from little faith to great faith. We have four kinds of faith. Not four kinds. The Bible talks about personal no faith, talks about people with little faith, great faith, and no faith. Faith, no faith, little faith, and great faith—four, four four different things. So, where you? The point is is, this: it really intrigues me. God knows, He knows where we are at. He knows where we've come from in this area of faith, and where we are going. And of course, then He responded their faith, and what He did was miraculous. It was miraculous. It was the physical healing. It was the spiritual healing, and of course, the spiritual healing—the forgiveness was much, much greater. We go to our second story. Luke chapter 7. I'm not going to read this one. This is a longer one, but you might know the story. It's the story of a sinful woman. She's a prostitute. She came to Jesus. She was remorseful. She was repentant. She wanted her sins forgiven. She had been convicted by the Lord, and she believed that Jesus could heal her of her sins. And Jesus says in the story, They were many. Now, were they more than most people? hard To say she had a lot of sins, okay. Now, back in those days, you read the text, and, and those kind of people they were called sinners. And the reason they're called sinners is because it was obvious they're sinners. There's that sinner in town, look at her, okay. It was obvious, everybody knew she was a sinner. Now, with us in our day, you know, some people, you know, the, the Pharisee types or whatever, they, I mean, you go to work or you see people, you know, and they look like nice people, you don't know what's in their heart, but of course, every person is a sinner. But here, she was called a sinner, and her sins were many. That's what we see. Jesus said to her, Your faith has saved you. She wasn't saved because of her works. She wasn't saved because of what she did. She was saved because of what Jesus Christ did for her. And it wasn't long after that that Jesus went and died on the cross and paid for her sins. Her sins. Along with all the sins of all the people who have ever repented or will ever repent and place their faith in Christ, which is hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. But that's what happened. He died on the cross to pay for her sins. Next story, Luke chapter 8. I like this story. All these are good stories. I mean, and and there's so many. You think about this. You know, we just get a little snippet. We're reading the God's word. We got all that we need, of course. But there's so many, and these are just a few here. Luke chapter 8, verse forty. As Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus. He was an official of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet, began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. The next story we talked about last week. Continue on, verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house, the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. They are all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop sleeping, for she has not died but is asleep. They began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called sin, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up immediately and he gave orders for something to be given to her. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. What do we learn here? This synagogue official had a very, very sick 12-year-old daughter. He is desperate. He goes to Jesus. And again, remember, this is a synagogue official. He's an important person. But even important people need to have faith. And he wasn't too proud to not have faith. He had faith, and he went to him, and he got on his knees, and he begged. And we see the situation goes from bad to worse, and the girl dies. And, of course, why did that happen? It's it's pretty easy to understand that. Because God wanted to make sure that people could see that, man, this was a miracle. I mean, we have people today, you know, you've heard about the healing services, you know, when somebody's sick and they get healed, and who knows if the person's a plan or what. But this person wasn't just sick. She died. They healed her. He raised her up, (laughs) and right away she starts walking, and hey, you need to give her something to eat, you know, she needs her strength. So it's, it's it's a good little story, because not only was it a miracle, but of course when Jesus does miracles like this, that it's obvious that it's Jesus, then he gets all the more glory. It's interesting what Jesus said, don't be afraid any longer, only believe, and she will be made better. Again, we see this connection between our lack of faith and fear. I mentioned this last week, but there's really, I think typically, most often, a big connection between your fear and your faith. Because if you have fear, it's most likely that you have a no faith or a little faith. It's his only belief. This, this man was you know, afraid. And, and of course, you understand this. You're all in difficult situations. And difficult situations. It's happened to me even this past week. You know, you get a little afraid, sometimes a lot afraid. And what does he say? Don't be afraid. Stop being afraid. It's very common. All of you understand fear says don't be afraid. Just believe and she'll become better. So again, there's emphasis on faith. Only believe. And that's what you need to see. That's what you need to do to see Jesus come through for you, to do a miracle on your behalf. And I want you to Understand something, or one of the, the, the thoughts that I get as I read these gospel stories is all these miracles. And, and when you think about your life, you need to think that what God wants to do is a series of miracles in your life. That's what he wants to do, and it relates to faith. That's where we're at here, okay? And sometimes the miracles are little. It's something only you know about. God gave you a little bit extra grace or peace or joy, some kind of situation. He gave you the right words to say or whatever. But it was a miracle, and you knew about it. Nobody else knew, but you knew or it might be something bigger. But the point I want to see, want you to see, is that God wants to do miracles in your life. He wants that every day. And it might be just a little one or a medium size. Sometimes it's big ones, okay? Miracles. Think this way. That's the theme you get from these stories on faith. Miracles, miracles, miracles. God wants your life as a Christian to be a series of miracles. God doing that for your purpose, his glory. And so this official then had faith in Jesus. The daughter was healed. We continue on. Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. 11 to 19. We'll read this one here. While he's on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed, One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God, except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. These ten lepers understand the story, and Jesus heals every one of them. Of course, what happens, only one of them comes back and gives glory to God. What are the lessons? Just a few here. First, the one who came back and gave thanks to God, who gave glory to God, is obviously one who had just gotten saved or was saved as a believer. Jesus had saved him, delivered him from his sins, from death. Second, the one who got saved wasn't a Jew. He was a Samaritan. We saw this last week, how... Jesus doesn't pick people for different reasons. He wants anyone and everyone to come to him. And we live in a culture, and you understand this, but let me, let me make this clear. You understand the racial problems in our country. You understand how certain people in media really hype things up. You know. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, hey, do I think they're really bad or not? I, I, that's not my point here. The point is that's what happens. So, you tend to think, well, that person's a certain color, that person's a certain color, oh, you know, and you know the media does that. Then you got the politics Republican, Democrat, Independent, you know, and oh, you're thinking about people and what they believe politically, okay. Now, of course, lately it's this, the sex thing women and men are different genders. Well, there's only two genders, XX, XY. That's the science, right? XX, XY, that's what it is. We know that. But the point I'm trying to say here, and it's not people, because we look at the news and we see these people saying this, it's the devil. The devil is wanting us to look at people like we ought not to look at them. Don't look at their outward appearance. Do not do that. Do not do that. So that, that's, that's important here. And, and, and we get that lesson from here. This is Samaritan. And you understand back then, man, they did not, the Jews did not like the Samaritans one bit. Man, it was shoo, major problems. And so it's happened throughout history. It's happened in our culture. I just said, don't fall into that trap. Know that God loves everybody. He wants, He wants people to come to Him of all races and colors and everything else. That's what He wants. Third, this person had faith in Jesus. For again, your faith has made you well. That phrase is it's just repeated. So like, your faith has made you well. Now we know that it was God that did it, but it was the faith in God. But the point we're doing, we're emphasizing today, your faith. Your faith in God, okay? Your faith has made you well. Trusting in Him for His grace and mercy and power, that's important. Luke 18, 1 to 18. I'm just going to not read this, but I want to just mention a few things here. I'll tell you the story and read one verse. There's a widow who needed legal protection. She goes to this judge, and the story is that she just begs him and begs him and begs him, and he's just, just an unjust judge. He's not a good guy. Unjust judges back then, okay? Unjust judges today just begged. Finally, okay, I give up. I quit. Stop begging me. Here's your justice. And so she gets to justice. That's what happens. so the lesson there, the one major lesson is this one overall lesson, then an application of it, is perseverance. Okay, you all, you all know this. You can pray for somebody one day and the next day and maybe for a few weeks, maybe for a few years. And, you, and you've heard, probably read stories. Somebody pray for somebody for 30, 40 years and they finally get say, persevere in faith. Okay, that's the lesson. There's many different stories about this perseverance of faith. But I have to say this, and it's so easy. It's easy for me. Okay, I'll pray and I pray hard for a few days then I, I give up or I forget. And so persevere, persevere, persevere. But the application, look at verse 8, if you're there. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Wow. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is applicable in these days. We live in the end times, getting close to the end of the age. It won't be long before Christ returns to rapture the church. So here's Christ's sobering question. It is a question, and it's very relevant because... You know, it's whether we'll have faith in him in these last years leading up to the return of Christ. That's what it is. Jesus tells us there are going to be tough times. And you, you can't miss it. Tough times. Tough times. Tribulation, and the birth pains, all these things. And, and we need then to have faith in him. I'm reading a book on persecution. And the one chapter I'm reading right now is called White Martyrdom and Red Martyrdom. Do you know what they're saying? What's the red martyrdom mean? What does it mean? What's the red? Think red. What's red? Blood, bloodshed, people getting killed. And the book talks about. I think this Open Doors Ministry has ten different hotspots in the world. You know, India is one of them, and North Korea is one of them, and China is one. There's like ten. You know, there's red martyrdom. The white is what we are, have been going through in this country, and increasingly so. And if you've missed it, you've been sleeping. It happens at workplace discrimination. It happens with justice, and I'm not going to go on all the different stories I could tell you about the lack of justice for people who are Christians, others who believe in Christian things, and so you have this verbal abuse again, the discrimination. There's this happened a lot in Canada. It's one I think it was maybe two years ago. Man, it just and after some churches, the pain all over the churches. Might happen here someday. Okay. It's white persecution. You're not shedding blood, but, man, they're coming after you. And it's happening increasingly. So there's a phrase, and I maybe we should talk more about this sometime, but it's, the phrase is Christian nationalism. And the powers that be up in D.C. understand this phrase because there's Christians out there who are nationalists that are sort of political too, okay? I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying they're coming after you. And they look at your, you know, your email log or they have ways of surveilling you, all this stuff. They know what you're saying. Oh, that's a Christian nationalist. Pro-life people are Christian nationalists, okay? You vote for somebody, you're Christian nationalist. They're going to come after you. It's happening more and more and more, okay? It's not getting less. It's not getting better. You can elect a new person. It's, it's, just, it's in the whole culture. I, I can't under- believe how much it is what's happened in our country the last 5, 10 years, 15. It's been going on for decades, but it's accelerated, okay? So, so the point is, it's going to get worse. You think it's hard now. It's going to get a lot worse. So here's the question for you. When he comes, Son of Man comes, will we find faith in earth? The whole context, it's persevering faith because these problems don't just go on for a day and stop. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. I don't know how much it's going to affect us who are older. I say older in a general sense. But there's no doubt that younger people will see it. Those particularly I think under 50, 40, 30, 20, you're going to see it. That's why it's imperative for you to tell your kids and your grandkids, do not hold back. Do not hold back. And, and sometimes it's hard. I mean, even with my children, they come home and have a nice meal. It's, How's it going? And well, let me tell you about some rough stuff coming. It's just hard to do that, you know? You want your kids to be happy. That's what mothers, I always think about mothers. They always want, I want my kids to be happy, my grandkids to be happy. Yes, we do, but There's truth. Tough times are coming. And that's what he says. There. What a profound verse. Nothing like that in the Bible. And so, sobering question. He's exhorting us to have faith in him and having faith and results in us receiving his grace and peace and mercy and joy. All that we need to keep living for him, to keep persevering as we go through tough times. So if someone asks you, this is a good, simple question. If someone asks you, talking about these days, well, what you need to do to live for the Lord in the end times... Say so you need to have faith in God, okay, but faith there's not some empty, vacuous word, oh, just faith, okay, have faith, faith in God and in God means in god 's word that 's a corollary, okay and let me be honest here there 's a whole lot in the Bible about the first coming and a whole lot about the second coming and sometimes it saddens me when churches take a whole month in the month of december let 's talk about the first coming of Christ and It should be taking at least a whole month to talk about the second coming, okay? Let's have some balance here. First coming, second coming. A whole lot. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 17, Luke 21, Romans 8, Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thess 4, 1 Thess 5, 2 Thess 1, 2 Thess 2, 2 Peter 3, and the whole book of Revelation, and a ton of verses in the Old Testament. There's tons. Have faith in God. You know what Jesus said? Very interesting. Luke twelve fifty six. He says, hypocrites. I'm talking to the Pharisees, but some of it relates to Christians. You hypocrites. Hypocrites. You know how to analyze the appearance and the earth. But you don't analyze the present time He was saying, "You guys know how to predict the weather, man." I tell you, back in the '60s, you know, you had the whiteboards and they're drawing their H's and their L's. Remember the whiteboards? You back from the '60s and you know, doing their weather. Man, the specificity, the exactness, the precision. Now the color, beautiful. Wow, this. Look at the weather. They're getting really good at it. Don't you? Know how to analyze the present time. And what Jesus says? don't you realize I am the Messiah? I am the Christ, and I'm here, and I'm on earth, I'm God in the flesh. And now he's said, I'm convinced he's said, don't you know how to analyze the present time? The signs are there. I told you, Matthew 24 and Luke 17 and Luke 21, it's all there. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. And the United States is going down because we're not the power in the end times. It's obvious. You've you, you got to be asleep to not see that we're not going down. Sooner or later, we won't be a world power. Okay? What that looks like, I don't know. All I'm saying is have faith in God, find faith on earth. And I think that relates to understanding, of course, who God is, trusting Him, but also understanding what He so clearly tells us in His Word. We continue. The next story Luke chapter. 18, same chapter, 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like what, people, what other people, swindlers and unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. This story doesn't have the word faith in it, but it's a lesson about faith, okay? So what's going on here? It's a story about this unrighteous Pharisee and this unrighteous tax collector. First you have the Pharisee. It's obvious he was proud. Look at me. Look what all I've done. But he was trusting in his own righteousness. he is what we call a self-righteous person. There's a whole lot of people like that in the world that aren't saved. They're self-righteous. And whatever their self-righteousness looks like, they are self-righteous. Here's a tax collector. He got saved because he was humble. Okay, He knew he was unrighteous. He saw his need to be righteous. He understood that God could make him righteous. That's what he wanted. And he believed he had faith. He was humble and he trusted God. God, and he became righteous. That's what happened. Again, I said, it doesn't say he trusted God, but we know he did. As I said last year, it's very important for you to see this connection between humility and faith. You can't really have faith if you're not humble. A proud person, you see, is, is, is the opposite of being humble. A proud person is trusting in himself and his own works, but a humble person is one who then is seeing that he's needy, and then that leads him to trust in God, to have the faith in God. So humility then led to this person's faith, which resulted in his salvation. A wonderful picture. I love that story. Mark chapter eleven. We continue. Mark eleven, twenty to twenty-five. Mark eleven twenty, as they were passing by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up, being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered, and Jesus answers and said to them, Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says this mountain be taken up and cast to the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions so here's jesus they're walking along and he sees this fig tree you know and it had it had died and he's teaching his disciples about faith and and the first thing he says is have faith in god have is what type of word present tense that means today right now whatever situation you have faith in god all the time faith in god it's in a person okay but we have to understand, back up we see this have faith in God is, is is an imperative. It's a command. You're commanded to have faith. This isn't some suggestion from God, not some option, not some idea. We we people as Christians we we, we typically do this. I maybe 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 none of you I, I do this a lot. It's not good. Is it's when the tough times come that I have faith. Okay, okay, I need to pray. Marcia, we need to pray. We, this, this is hard, we need to pray. And the little things we sort of struggle through. Have faith in God for any situation, all the time, daily, present tense. That's what God wants for you. And again, it's a command. And he's commanding you because, oh, I'm going to pound you in the head if you don't. No, he knows it's good for us. Like we said before, you know, the, the joy that comes from having faith, that's just one example of the peace, of the grace that God wants to give you. Have faith in God. And so maybe we should say it this way you're going along, you're weak, your life, and something happens, and, and, and God speaks to you, hey, just trust me. In so other words, just trust me. In some ways, that's where way, sometimes he might hammer you in the head. I told you to have faith in God. But other times, he just, he's just speaking very sweetly and softly, trust me, trust me in this. Just trust me. I'll take care of this. So we need to see that. Third, second, you're not to doubt you're not to question whether Jesus can help you or not. and We tend to do that a lot. Well, I'm not sure. We may not say, I doubt you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but sometimes by the way our hearts spiritually fluttering back and forth, it really is doubts. Third, Jesus says, all things for which you pray and ask for it, believe that you've received them. He's telling you that whatever you ask for, whatever you pray for, you need to believe that he hears you. It's not said here, but other verses, he hears you. And that he then answers your prayer. Sometimes we go along. And I, I, I'm guilty. This is really a sad thing. Is you're praying. And you're not even cognizant of the fact that you're talking to God. You're just saying a prayer and it's sort of rote, okay? I, I don't know if we all do that or not. I knew sometimes. It's not good. You pray. It's a solemn thing. You're talking to God and he hears you and he listens to you and he wants to answer your prayer, okay? that's That's... What we're saying here, John fourteen, twelve. Fourteen twelve says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." Verse twelve, though, <laughs> believe in me. Greater works, you know, what's the answer there? Well, one answer is this. Jesus reached the nation of Israel, right, in a few years. God wants us as his church to reach the whole world through all the generations. That's what he wants. So that's, I believe, in one way to say that the greater works, that's what it means there. And so um, next point here, the word believe in this verse here. And the word believe and the word faith in verse 22 are from the same Greek word. So this is a very simple thing here. All we're saying there is, is, again, we're equating these words believe and faith. Believe is what kind of word? It's a, it's a verb, right? Faith is what kind of word? It's a noun. So faith is the noun form and believe is the verb form. That's all I'll say. If you have faith, you're believing. If you're believing, you have faith. Got it? Okay. That's all I want to say, just to understand that. So fourth when your prayer, you need to have a forgiving heart. Towards others who've hurt you or who have wronged you. Well, that is just have a holy heart, that's all. Otherwise, he says he won't hear. So, 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 that, I mean, who knows? That may be the one reason God doesn't answer a prayer you've had because you're somebody you're holding something against. A holy, righteous heart towards others. It says in 1 Timothy 2 8, it says, I want the men in every place to pray and to lift up holy hands. Interesting verse, isn't it? He doesn't say women. Now, some might say, well, the men means women, too. Well, it says men. And I was, you know my opinion on this? I haven't done a survey. I have no idea for sure. But it seems to me that women pray more than the men. That's what it seems to me. Women are praying more. He says, I want the men. And men, of course, is plural. The men. Get together, men, pray. And be holy in your heart. Very important verses. Okay, now I want to look at some verses in John that talk about faith. You know, what's interesting, I just talked about this word faith and believe, faith being the noun form, believe being the verb form. And so the word faith does not appear once. I checked at my concordance. It does not appear once in the book of John. Not once. But the word believe appears, I think it's 51 or 52 times. Wow, that's interesting. So I, it's just, just a thought there. But the point is, as you read, John, you'll see this all the time. That the classic verse, of course, is John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. And so we need to have faith in God to be forgiven. We understand that. Most of the world thinks the way to get to God is by what? What does most of the world think? By what? By your works. It's by faith. It's all it says, believe. Nothing more. Church I was raised and said, yeah, you need to believe, but you also need to have works. They said, faith works. No, not faith and works, just faith. Believe in him has eternal life. That's what he said. Need faith. It's not by our works, but by trusting in Christ's work for us. We need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again from the dead, paid for our sins, and that then is the means by which we then can be saved and forgiven. John 4, 41, many more believe because of his word. We have heard for ourselves and know that. This one is indeed the Savior of the world. And this, is this You remember the Samaritan, you know, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. That's that story right here. And she goes back to the town people, you know, and she tells them what's going on. And, wow, and they all come out. And these Samaritans believed. It's a, it's a good story there at the beginning of John. Again, saved because they believed in Christ. Many more believed because of his word. Heard for ourselves and know that this one indeed is the Savior of the world. John 5.24, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. It says he who hears my word and believes. Get the connection? He who hears my word and believes. Connection between God's word and you having faith. Hearing God's word, hearing God's truth is essential for faith. And God says that when we talk about faith, we're, we're, we're believing in God. And believe in what God says to us. And God says to us that we're sinners. And God says to us that Christ died for us. And God says to us we need to believe in him to save us from our sins. And so, again, this important important connection here. John 5.38. John 5.38. says, you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who he sent. Again, the connection. God's word is not in you. How can you believe? In, and this is important. I, I'm sure I've said this in the past, that one of the keys to having faith is, is, is to have God's word in you. Okay? That's why I, I encourage people to get your word, the word into you, whether you're reading the word or meditating, memorizing. I believe memorization is a great thing to do. Get his word in you. So when there's a, some kind of situation that's difficult or fearful, start thinking of God versus God's word and let that word then sort of by the Holy Spirit generate the faith in your heart. It's a spiritual generation by God's spirit, by God's word in you. That's what he wants to do for you. John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Very interesting. Jesus is saying we cannot believe if we want glory for ourselves. All of us here at times can have a tinge of pride, maybe more. It says pride, wanting glory for yourself. Knocks faith out. Just wipes it out. Can't have faith. But if we want glory for God, then we can have faith. That's important. So, so, and, of course, that's one of the ultimate things in life. What's our, your purpose? You know, you've heard this before. Your purpose is to give glory to God. How are you going to give glory to God? By faith. Having faith. That, that's, that, that's what we're saying here. John fourteen thirteen. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Very clear. Whatever you ask, I will do so that the Father is glorified in the Son. This verse, Psalm seventy nine nine, I like this one. It says, Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name, and deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. That for your name's sake is, is important. You, you know Psalm twenty three. You know the you know the phrase I will lead you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Life is about his namesake not your namesake. Again, we live in this whole social media and people trying to get attention for themselves and how many clicks and views it said. We know that. It's not about us. It's about him for his namesake. Very important point then that we pray for ourselves and others we know with our ultimate objective of faith being that we want God to get the glory. So think about that. When we talk about faith here, this whole discussion of faith these few weeks here, I want God to get glory. I'm trusting in him, not so I can get something, but so God can get glory. And yes, he might be giving you something that didn't give God glory. Yes, that may be true, but ultimately, it's him getting the glory, whatever whatever that prayer is. John, a few more. John chapter 6, 5 to 7. Again, I assume you know most of these stories. I like this one here. Jesus, verse 6, 5. Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he knew himself what he was intended to do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. And they go on. I'm not going to read the rest, but we know what the miracle that happens. Huge crowd of people. Jesus has been teaching them. They're hungry. They need food. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He's going to feed them. That's what you do. But he wanted to test Philip to see what Philip would do. Philip, of course, is what? He's one of those analytical, detailed persons that's sort of like me at times. And he was one who thought in human terms. So what's, it's, just, it's intriguing. What's he say? He's a, he's a numbers guy. 200 denarii. That's not enough buy food for all these people. I don't know why he said 200 denarii. 200 denarii says 200, 200 days of wages, which was, you know, in our... Culture, if you take five days of work week, that takes you from wait, January 1st to about the middle of October or so. Okay, That's a lot of work, a lot of money. Can't do it. Jesus was testing Philip's faith. He wanted Philip to see the impossibility of the situation that there was no human solution, that only God, only Jesus could solve that problem. And that's what happens sometimes when it comes to faith. It's happened to me. I, this situation, it was a tough one this week, a couple days ago. I was trying to think it through and figure it out, you know, and be like Philip here. It's impossible. I give up, God. I, I can't figure what to do. you got to figure this out. This is impossible. And he will do that with you. It's, it's Some things, okay, I think this could work out. You know, it's a lower-level trial or whatever, okay. Impossible situation. And so that's what we have here. So there's this big miracle, okay? James 1. James 1, right after Hebrews, if you're turning there. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Good section of verses about faith. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Right away you see faith is defined as what? Or, or trial defined as what? A test of your faith. Very, very interesting. You go through a trial, God is testing your faith. You've all been in school. You've all took tests before. God tests you on a regular basis. I said last week, you're we going to have trials this week. You know, and I had some small ones, and I had this big one, you know. So we all have our trials. Sometimes you go through weeks. week. just have a little trials all week long, okay? That's normal. Sometimes they're medium. Sometimes they're larger. But we see that God tests us with trials. And why? So you get your eyes off yourself. So you look to God and trust him. Faith is a matter of not looking at yourself or your own abilities or what somebody else might be able to do or something circumstantial. It's a matter of you looking right to God, being humble and looking right to God. That's what it is. So always remember that God gives you trials so that your faith grows, so you humble yourself and you get your eyes off yourself so you look to him, trust him for the grace, the strength, the peace, whatever whatever it is. Go down to verse 9. Another definition of, a, of a, a trial. The brother of humble circumstances. A trial is a humbling circumstance. A trial is designed to humble you. It's a circumstance that is humble. The brother of humble circumstances, the glory in his high position. This is a tough one. You're going through this trial, you've been humbled. Lord, I don't like this trial. Oh, glory. This is a high position. Are you sure? This do not feel like a high position we thinking wrong. God says, don't you see? This trial that you're going on that nobody else knows about, it's a high position. Wow, it is, huh? And then you go to verse 12. Interesting. The verse 10, 11, interesting about. It. You know how we use it? I'll say it real quickly. You know how we use the word pass away when somebody dies? The only time pass away is used in a negative sense in the Old Testament, he passed away to no one's regret, some unrighteous. Same thing here. These rich men are passing away. They're dying. So I'm not saying you can't say he passed away. Maybe just say he died because when I think of passed away, I think of a negative thing. But we come to verse 12. There's the point. Okay, a little off track here. Verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Once he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So you get the big picture? So you're going through this trial. It's not a 30-second trial. You know, you cut your finger. It happens to me regular, and it heals up in a couple days. It's a longer trial. It's a persevering trial. What's it say? It's the promise from God: "Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial." That means you keep having faith. Y'all understand this, okay? You got some situation, okay? You trusted God, but then you stop trusting God. and You trust God some more. God wants to, our faith to be steady. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. But what's the promise? <laughs> it, it's. We talked about this last year, and I'll. Let me talk about it again. It's crowns, rewards. You going through trials in a persevering way, trusting God. It says, once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's future. That's future. So you have to think about this. There's so many of uh, rewards that God wants to give you and future blessings that relate to you going through trials in a successful way. That means you trust the Lord. That's what we're saying here. So trials in, successfully, Navigating by the grace of God, the power of God through trials then is that which will result in future blessing for your life. That's what we're seeing here. Okay, John six, just one more and we're done. John 6 27 to nine 6:27 to 29. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Verse 29 being the key verse. The work of God is what? To believe. That's what it is. Okay. We all understand people in this world are focused on making, you know, getting food. People are focused on making money so they can buy physical things, you know. We understand that. We all have to do that. We all have to have physical money so we can buy physical things so we can meet our needs. Understood. Point is, our problem is when that's all we think about. That's the problem. Okay. Verse 29, this is the work of God to believe in him whom he sent. God wants us to realize that our ultimate work is Working for God, and specifically that we have faith in God, and this faith in God is work. It's work. It's not the kind of way you think about work, but it's work. It's spiritual work. It's work that he wants you to do every day. The work that God wants you to do is to believe in him, to trust in him, to rely on him, to on him every day of the week. And Again, this work, this believing, this trusting, depending, is work. It's spiritual work. We need to think this way. I mean, we, we have this, and it's in our culture. It's just the way it is. You work at a job, 40 hours a week, whatever. I'm done. Physical work is done. What's God saying? You work. Your physical work, your mental work, your spiritual work is all spiritual work. It's all work of faith. It's all a work of believing. All of it is. Your whole life. Your whole life is to be a spiritual work, and that's to be a work of faith. Your whole life. So this changes everything. You know, we, we have this thought. I'm going home today, put my feet up, you know, get something to eat and watch a show on TV, you know. and I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying you need to see your life with this framing and view that, hey, my life is spiritual work. And all of it, every day. Spiritual work. And it's a wonderful thing. This is how, as, as a believer, we should be. This is not our home here, is it? We are citizens of heaven, and we are left on here, left on this earth to do spiritual work for the Lord. And so, anything you do, whether it's washing the dishes or making a meal, whether it's getting with somebody for lunch, whether it's writing an email or a phone call, or whether it's praying, it's spiritual work, all of it. This changes everything. And I said before, and the connection I'll say, just what I said in James before, James 1 is that God rewards us. There are rewards. It's such an important but untaught subject in Christianity around the world. God rewards you for your work, okay? He rewards you. And there's I'm going to give verses in the future, but not right today. And so your whole life is to be a life of faith. And living the life of faith is work. It's spiritual work. It's what you do every day, all the time, day and night. Morning you get up, during the day, free time in your mind, nighttime, that's what it is. Much more to say about this, but we'll look at this more next week, the third lesson in the series here. Just a few things to sum up, just sort of repeat. Again, remember, ultimately, it's all about God's glory, and your faith relates to that. Number two, remember that the Word of God, it's important for the Word of God to be in you, for you to have faith. So get God's Word in you. That'll help to stir your faith. Number three, just remember that this week, God will be teaching you you'll have faith. He'll be teaching you whatever way, and he's, he's the best teacher. Sometimes, oh, God's going to be a rough teacher. No, no, he's good. He's perfect. He's gentle. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to give you stories, but I think of my life of being a Christian over 40 years. He's been rather patient with me. And that's a lesson you see when you read the history of the believers, His God is very, very patient. He knows exactly how to teach you this week and the next week and the rest of your life, but he's teaching you little ways, medium ways in big ways. And next, be humble. Circumstance comes. It's a humbling circumstance. Be humble. That then will lead to faith. And finally, and I closed this verse last week. I'm close again. My daughter said this is her favorite verse. It's Mark 9, 24. I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for Just bringing us here. Thank you for your truth, your word. Uh, We 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 all understand the importance of faith, but Lord, we sometimes just aren't trusting like we ought. And and Lord, we we will we will collectively say here today, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry. We do believe, but sometimes our faith is that little faith, and we're struggling, and we doubt at times, like it says in James one. Help us, Lord. Help us. We know it's a, it's a work of God, yet you're telling us to do it. So, God, help us by your spirit, by your word, to grow in our faith, to be ones who have great faith so we're not ruffled. We read Psalm 112 last week that a righteous person is not afraid of bad news. Bad news comes to his door, not afraid. It says it because he's trusting you. Help us to trust you, Father. I pray that for each one here in this church, we'd be a church that we have faith. We have faith as a church and individually as families, Lord, and families and couples. We're praying and trusting. I just ask you to do this. Just do this in our heart. We ask you for your glory. That's what we really want. But thank you again for this time. Thank you for everyone here, those visiting, those online watching. Lord, just help us, lead us, guide us. Thank you so much for Bethel. Pray for your blessing on Raphael and their leaders, the entire church. Use them, God, for your purposes. But again, we thank you. Thank you for your love for us. We tell you that we love you. Pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.